This morning's reading is from Isaiah chapter 9, and we're reading verses 1 to 7. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For, as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Amen. So Lord, we welcome you to be with us as we think on this passage. Um, Holy Spirit, I pray you'd enlarge our hearts and open our ears. In Jesus' name, amen. So today we're going to think about the theme of hope. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. It's a song by a singer I like called Foy Vance. Uh, it's, It's called Two shades of hope. Hope can get you through really dark times. It can be a lovely friend in the bleakness of winter. But there can be another shade, another side of hope. That um, we hope for spring, but metaphorically, what if spring doesn't come? Surely it's hope that deals the hardest blows. Today, in the first week of Advent, we're considering the hope of the Jesus story from the prophet Isaiah. This is prophesied 750 years before Christ is born in Bethlehem. And part of the gift, but actually the awful pain as well of the Jesus way, is to stay in it. To stay walking on the road with Jesus, you have to hope. To cease hoping is to cease trusting in God's character, that he is who he says he is, that he is able, that he's kind, that he's good, present, interested in the particulars of your life, that he desires an end to suffering, that he's on your side, that he's fought a battle to the death as your champion against a foe that wished to destroy you. Sometimes it's hope that deals the hardest blows. This is really real. Where were you, God? You could have healed him. 
How can you be good? How could you possibly be who you say you are when I'm dealing with these circumstances? I don't feel you, but you promised that you'd always be with us. Are you the God of the watchmaker? You've, and you've packed up shop and all these prayers are falling on deaf ears. And this has been very real to me over the past year. I found hope so hard. I've said just a minute ago that to cease hoping is to stop walking on the road with Jesus. And honestly, for me, if it wasn't for lovely friends who coaxed me from the sideline, who've loved me, spoken life into me, I might have found myself on a different road. But the road that I'm on is actually very painful. And I know some of your circumstances, the road you're on is very painful. I was listening to a podcast with um, Kate Bowler. Uh, she has terminal cancer and she's probably going to die some point soon and leave a husband and a son behind way too young. Um, and she's talking to Stanley Howas. Uh, Stanley's a theologian. Um, and she asks him, what do you make of those Christians that believe Jesus came to give them a better life? That it's a set of principles in order that they might we might be blessed. And Hawass is one of the most influential theologians of our time, and he's got an impossibly gravelly southern voice, American. He responds to Kate Bowler's question, someone should hang them. <laughs> I mean, have they read the Gospels? And there's something really true in that. That's his response to the peddlers of the prosperity gospel. He's angry that people are telling people this lie when it's not actually the Jesus road. Hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a dream fulfilled is a tree of life. We have to live in the tension of that we're going to be wonderfully blessed by the absurdity and joy of all this life has to offer but we're also, if we're with Jesus, we're going to suffer from heart sickness, hope sickness. You've got to carry both. Walking with love sickness, homesickness, a holy discontent because the desires that God places in your heart, a desire for foundness, wholeness, mystical union with him, justice, an end to war, all these things will make you feel sick in the meantime. So I want to turn to Scripture, the passage Pippa read. Nevertheless, there will be no more gloom for those who were in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, but in the future, he will honor Galilee of the nations by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan. God loves to turn things around. Nevertheless, that word's there because Isaiah has just spoken in the previous chapter a prophetic message of doom. <laughs> Syria and Egypt have invaded the northern tribes of Israel and they've been more or less wiped off the map. It's a national tragedy. And the prophet says, and it's you next. The Assyrians are coming. Don't think that you're safe in the south. It's just a matter of time until the hammer falls on you too, Judah and Jerusalem. 
This place that Isaiah talks about, Galilee of the Gentiles, of the nations, it's literally called this because they've lost a sense of their identity. Who are they anymore? They're not really Jewish. They're lots of other things. Um, What does it mean to belong in a place like this? It makes me think of Bradford. What does it mean to belong in a place like Bradford? Um, we can tell really good news stories, and there are good news stories, but when I speak to people, particularly elderly people, um, who don't have the means to move away from a place that doesn't feel like home anymore, there's a homesickness. There's also a homesickness in many of our Pakistani neighbours. Homesickness to be home, because this doesn't quite feel like home. And yet, it would be to these towns that Jesus the hope of Israel, the Emmanuel, God with us, when God visited us in the person of Jesus, it would be to these towns that he would spend the majority of his time, like 90%, like maybe over that. God loves the nowhere places. Um, if it feels like you're a nowhere person, <laughs> that's, that's good news because God desires to display his majesty on the canvas of your life. It means you're in a great place for God to show his glory through you. Um, Nathaniel, my namesake in John's gospel, uh, when he he becomes one of the 12 apostles, when he hears where Jesus comes from, he says, can anything good come out of Nazareth? (laughs) It's hilarious because he's also from the northern town of Cana. It would be like someone in Shipley saying, can anything good come out of Frisinghall? <laughs> um, and God, God loves to use nowhere places. We're in a great place in Frisinghall for God to use us <laughs> and to turn this around. Um, we're in a great place in Bradford. And if you, you find yourself in a nowhere place, I know it's hard, but um, you're in a great place for God to display his glory, his majesty across the canvas of your life. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat, you have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressors. For as in the day of Midian's defeat. Ah, if you were here last week, isn't that great that we have this? We talked about Gideon and the defeat of Midian last week. And for as in the day of Midian's defeat, the prophet is reminding the people, we've been here before. And look what God did in the past. Look how he delivered us. In the time of the judges, Israel was overrun completely under the thumb of Midian, their oppressor. They'd left slavery in Egypt only to find it in the promised land. It was hopeless. But the Lord spoke to a young man, Gideon. Gideon was weak. He didn't have any credentials to qualify him as a mighty man. So he was a brilliant candidate for God to use, to display his majesty on the canvas of Gideon's life. Um, I I can't tell you the story this morning. It's a shame we've done Gideon twice and never told the story. (laughs) But God turned it around. He utterly defeats the Midianites and brings freedom to his people. A, A miracle victory. 
And what's actually very sad about this story, sad about Judges and kind of the whole Old Testament, is um, he delivers them only in order that they carry on a spiraling descent into greater oppression and distraction, very much actually brought on by their own doings. But Isaiah, in this passage we've heard read, is seeing something coming, seeing something in the future, that there is a greater Midian, a greater oppressor. A bit of an uncomfortable thing to say in the 21st century. Uh, I believe in a devil. (laughs) I believe in dark spiritual powers. And hey, I think I've got enough stupidity to mess up my own life. (laughs) But I also think there is an enemy who is seeking to devour us, to rip us apart, to leave a legacy in tatters, to leave us bruised and battered on the side of the Jesus road with no energy left to hope and to stay in the fight. If you have put your trust in Jesus, this light has dawned in your darkness. He has shattered the yoke of the oppression off your life. We've got a sin problem. Uh, People have done things to you and said things to you that they shouldn't have and you've been wounded by sin. And you and me, I've done things to other people and said things to other people that I shouldn't have and I've wounded them but actually in so doing I've also wounded myself. Uh, Carl Jung, psychoanalyst, said, um, no one gets away with anything. <laughs> and I think that's true. Every, everything we do that falls short of the glory of God leaves a mark in us, it, on us. It wounds us. Human beings are wonderful, amazing. We're capable of so much good, so much kindness. I actually think human beings are good. <laughs> but we have a sin problem. It, and it's a kind of power. And actually it is. It's a supernatural power. You can see this really easy with addiction. Um, some of, I think all of us will have been touched by addiction, whether it's you yourself or you have a family member who's really suffered with addiction. Um, I think something we're not very good at talking about in church is porn addiction. And it affects so many people. And it's a bad one, especially for Christians Because it seems really bad. And that's because it is. Um, But there's biological reasons why it's difficult to break. It's a cheap high. And it's a cheap form of an easy attachment. Um, But it's also spiritual. There's powers at work around these things that addict us, keep us trapped. It's a brilliant way. Not just porn, but so is alcohol addiction. Um... Uh, anything. It's a brilliant way of the enemy of our souls to trap us in shame and to have us sidelined on the Jesus road. And Jesus says, and Jesus, what he has done is he's shattered that yoke. He's shattered that oppression, be it addiction or the wounding that we've received from sin. However you have hurt others with your words and actions, you know, there's things that seem impossible to make right. <laughs> in whatever way you have been hurt, sometimes awfully by people that were meant to look after you, 
by family, moms and dads, by a spouse. Whatever addiction you're struggling with, Jesus is the breaker of those chains. It says that he's shattered the yoke that burdens you. He has broken the rod of the oppressor. Every time you're accused by your enemy, and actually also by yourself, because we accuse ourselves, uh, you can tell the devil to shut up. (laughs) You say, you can go and do one, because he's broken this off my life. Actually, so much of the Christian journey is accepting what Jesus has already done for you and walking in that freedom, rather than wrestling with the chains is realizing he's broke them you just need to walk out of the prison you can be free today right now in this moment I really think that about addiction I know it's a really bold thing to say and if you're thinking oh he's talking about me I'm talking about me too Um, it's a bold thing to say those chains can be broken today uh, but it might take you years in therapy to, to fully work out how to walk out of the prison and 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 you're going to need friends wise friends to help to help you take those chains off you and and it might be a struggle and and potentially even years of relapse but Jesus died to set you free some of us have family members that we're thinking I really need to hope that for them and I pray that today Jesus might wake up that sense of hope in you God can turn it around For to us, a child is born, a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. I like, actually, I think maybe it's not Wonderful Counselor. Maybe it might be. He will be called Wonderful Counselor. (laughs) Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing it and upholding it with justice and righteousness from this time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Isn't that good news? It would be great, wouldn't it, if we were in a church where we would go, hallelujah, (laughs) hallelujah. That's amazing news. Um, I can't talk about all of this amazing truth. I just want to talk about the last verse. The zeal of the Lord God will accomplish this. The intense decision of the Lord will make this happen. As the angel Gabriel speaks to Mary, is, has the word of the Lord ever failed? Does God ever fail? We're about to um, turn to prayer for ourselves, for our church, and for our city. And I know that some of us have decided that it's too painful to hope. Because hope deferred makes the heart sick. And the gospel message for you today is, come on, keep going, sister. Keep going, brother. The Lord wants to pick you up take you off the sideline and put hope in your heart again. That he can turn this around. That actually it's in his character and his nature that he wants to. But pain-free isn't part of the gig. 
Jesus says to his disciples, in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. God desires to wake you up to hope again, and this means that you're going to have a sick heart. That is just par for the course. But it also means that in you will grow a tree of life. So, uh, we're going to pray about three things. Um, and part of this, we'll, we'll, we'll do this prayer in, in communion. Um, uh, prayer for me and you. Prayer for St. Margaret's Frising Hall. And prayer for where we live and for Bradford. Um, so prayer for me and you. It's kind of my honest testimony, very honest testimony, is I really feel like God... I really feel like God let me down. Um, like, I, of course, I let myself down over this past year, many ways. But um, oh, it's hard not to talk about getting emotional, but it's important. Um, but something really sad happened to our family. And it's, it's like left this wound. And um, we, we're going to, it's like a limp that we're probably going to have forever. <laughs> um, and it's hope, this idea of hope's really hard. But um, you know, I, I actually feel quite different because of all that's happened. And, I, and it, it's not right to get into. But. Um, I think intellectually before, I knew that God was for us. You know, that he desired our good. He, he wanted uh, to, to bless us. He likes us, loves us. Um, but I feel like I know that in a, a, a much more of a heart level, that God is for me. He's for you. He's actually for, relentlessly for, every person on this planet. So, some questions when we think about praying for ourselves. Are you suffering from the effects of sin? God wants to bring hope that you can be healed. Are you or someone that you know suffering under the oppression of addiction? God wants to give you hope that he can break the chains, and that you can walk free. They can walk free. Have the circumstances of life made it hard to hope? Do you feel like you're a bit bruised and wounded on the side of the Jesus road? He desires to pick you up and to plant hope in your heart. We think of St. Margaret's. In many ways, this sermon feels like part two to part one last week, which is a surprise. It's good. It's good. Um, uh, we've been given some lovely gifts as a church to help us hope. The legacy of Colin Slater, stuff going on with the, uh, the, the Warm Church Project, some things that we thought, can we restart post-COVID? Oh, I'm not sure. And we have, and they've gone really well. We've been given lots of reasons to hope. Um, and yet... Every, nearly every church in this country is in chronic decline. Why would we be any different? 
<laughs> um, why would we book this trend? Hope. We need hope to grow in spiritual depth, but also in numbers that we would see people added to our fellowship. Salvation. You know, we'd have stories of the light of Jesus dawning in people's lives. We need hope for Alpha. It's not going to be a flop. <laughs> we need hope. Um, hope for our community around us. A community that sorely needs hope. We need hope. And I think this is really true. Hope that God sees us, the little flock of Frisinghall. Hope that he desires to use us for his purposes. And uh, uh, finally, for Bradford. Um, Bradford suffers from hopelessness. It's probably the biggest problem we have, hopelessness. Bradford is, lo- I love Bradford, lovely place. I was in the car with four friends from Fantasy Church uh, yesterday and um, one of them, we were driving over uh, Thornton and they, someone said, ah, oh, isn't Bradford beautiful? And I said, every time someone says that, a fairy comes back to life. <laughs> uh, some of us are on the bleeding edge of the dysfunction of this city and it, it's better to name it than just to pretend it's fine. Um, oppression, addiction, the failure of a naive project of multiculturalism which has resulted in suspicion, racism and parallel lives being the actual lived reality for maybe the majority of people. And I, I find my hope ground down in this city. But we need to pray. We need hope. City of Culture, 2025. I think God's in it. <laughs> I think it's a thing to give us hope that this could be a beginning of meaningful change for Bradford, a city that God has used throughout its history, throughout the 250 years that we've really been on the map. Um, God has used this city to birth hope, not only here, but across the nation. If he could do it then, he can do it again. Lord, be to us like the northern towns of Israel, the northern town of England. Lord, visit us. Visit us again. So we're going to respond in worship, but um, before we do, can we stand together? And have we got this sheet of paper? Um, We're not going to do this every week, don't worry. (laughs) It's not a new thing. I just wanted to do it again. (laughs) Um, And I want us to uh, pray now for St. Margaret's and then for Bradford and Frisinghall. And then when we receive communion, after you've received communion with the person next to you, to just to, to, to pray for each other. And you don't need to have special words because I've already written some special words. Um, and, and pray for their name. Just say, so Rita, I bless you with hope. And then pray that prayer. Uh, after we've received communion, or or, or if you're waiting during, just get it done. (laughs) Um, Let's pray. First, let's pray for St. Margaret's. Uh, Let's pray for St. Margaret's Frisinghall. Okay, so that's what we're going to say when we insert name. St. Margaret's Frisinghall, I bless you with hope. I pray for healing in Jesus' name from all of the wounding of sin, 
I pray for freedom from every addiction and negative thought pattern and for the friends to help you walk free and stay free. I pray over your circumstances that where there is hopelessness, God would turn it around, that he would display his majesty on the canvas of your life. I say to you that the best is yet to come, that the glory days are not only in the past, but are your future. I bless you with hope. I bless you that your dreams fulfilled would be a tree of life. I bless you with endurance to keep going, even when hope deferred makes your heart sick. I bless you in the name of the God whose word never fails and who keeps his promises. Now I'm going to pray for Bradford. Bradford, I bless you with hope. I pray for healing in Jesus' name from all of the wounding of sin. I pray for freedom from every addiction and negative thought pattern and for the friends to help you walk free and stay free. I pray over your circumstances that where there is hopelessness, God would turn it around, that he would display his majesty on the canvas of your life. I say to you that the best is yet to come, that the glory days are not only in the past, but are your future. I bless you with hope. I bless you that your dreams fulfilled would be a tree of life. I bless you with endurance to keep going, even when hope deferred makes your heart sick. I bless you in the name of the God whose word never fails and who keeps his promises. Amen. I'm going to respond in worship, um, but just a reminder to pray this prayer with each other during or after communion.